Welcome to Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. I am one of your hosts, Maria Malazzo. And I'm your other host. I am Brandon Gregory. So we are doing a special mini-sode. It's, um, if you've been listening for a while, you know a few episodes back, um, Maria actually realized she has borderline personality disorder. And so that's been, of course, you know... <laughs> Um, a bit of a discovery going into that and figuring things out there. But we want to like there's so just so many misconceptions about borderline personality disorder and so many negative misconceptions, especially we want to kind of go through, you know, what does a day in the life look like for somebody with BPD? Um, and so that's that's what we're going to be doing today is kind of going through things like that. So um, I, I guess first off is like, is there any updates since the last episode? Have you? No. Nope. Talk to any. Okay. Nope. I haven't done anything. I started <laughs> I started looking for like maybe therapy and I thought I was going to sign right. up with this thing and then like and then I just stopped and then nothing ever ever came from it. Like to be honest, the idea of telehealth and the idea of not being face to face with someone in mm-hmm. therapy is kind of hard for me to imagine right now. It's um, less personal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like maybe that's, um, that's one of the reasons. Um, and I also, I just don't know if I need help right now. I just kind of want someone yep. to talk to about it. So um, uh-huh. I think eventually it'll happen. So it's, it's not an emergency. So yeah, no updates, none okay. whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you've had therapy in the past, correct? Yes, yes okay. very much. I mean, that's the thing is, like, uh, we'll get into maybe some comorbidity stuff um, later on in the episode. But, like, a lot of times, medicine is not the most effective treatment for BPD. It is mm-hmm. therapy. Um, and so we're, I think, on very different sides of that because medicines work very well for me. I've never right. been on, I've never taken therapy. And therapy has worked really well for you. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I hear that, sometimes I have this negative thing within myself that's like, well, if mine can't be solved by medication, it must mean I'm all it's all in my head, you know, which is oh. that's, I guess, what psychology is. But, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like part of it is me. I'm doing it to myself and this is my fault. And so therefore, like, because medicine doesn't work, it might be like thought of as not as real as like something else. And so um, so I always feel odd when we start mentioning that because i'm like i need to get over my own stigma of Uh thinking like that because i know it's not true (laughs) so yeah yeah that's a very good point one i had never actually considered is yeah because it's it's mainly therapy which is kind of a like intangible thing it's it's hard to feel like I'm, i'm getting treatment for this you know right yeah so Exactly. Uh, So first question is, what are some of the things about BPD that commonly cause issues, either socially or personally? Um, I think one of the things that um, about my personality, because I guess if you think about it, it's borderline personality disorder. So it's really my personality is that I can go to one extreme over something that might not seem like a very big deal to another person at all, but it really, really affects me. Like it truly affects Mm me. And I just know when I get really down about things that are affecting me, like one of the things, like one of the mantras in my head is just, I just wish someone could see how much I'm hurt. 
and how much this affects me. Um, I often feel like it's a gaslighting thing for me sometimes when I'm, when I get really upset over one thing, whether it's within like my, um, my significant other relationship with my boyfriend, with my parents, Mm -hmm. with my friends. And, um, I get, told to calm down a lot and that bothers oh, me gosh. when people yeah. tell me to calm down um and i get i don't know my my response is always like well i'm not calmed up because i can't right. naturally think of what the opposite of calm down is um so that really i think um is something that like i can get really really upset about a really really small thing that might seem very insignificant mm-hmm. to one person but to me it means so much and it's so hurtful and i will obsess about it and you know like talking about it i kind of makes me kind of sound like a baby <laughs> like it makes no, me kind of yeah, sound like you know uh-huh. i'm i'm <laughs> i'm a like uh I, I i i maybe maybe you could say temper tantrums would be another way for like a kid like if i'm uh-huh. being honest with myself um i have a lot of anger and when yeah. i'm angry like i get angry everyone knows i'm angry like there's no yeah. silent about silence about me whatsoever i'm i'm very uh-huh. i'm very passionate and sometimes that can cause issues and i i, I um you know uh, I've been in multiple physical alter- altercations. I've hmm. been in fights. Um, I've been in fist fights. I've, mm-hmm. um, and this is, I haven't been any recently, but I'm purely confident that if, um, I- 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 that if I needed to, I could totally beat someone up right now. But anyway, okay. like, <laughs> that's good to know. Um, <laughs> but when I was younger, I was in a lot of fist fights and I got in uh-huh. a lot of fights. Um, and part of it probably was, I was also on a lot of drugs when I was younger. So who the hell knows? But, um, mm. but I, um, that is something about me. Um, and I just one like a positive thing is I, I don't think I'm scared of many things. Mm -hmm. Um, like I can't imagine having an emergency situation and not being able to act and like be rational in that moment. However, then, Mm -hmm. and the other side of it, small, little tiny things that might not seem like emergencies (laughs) or big deals to people. And I get all kind of out of control about it, but like, I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I am the person to go to if someone has an emergency. I can handle blood. I can handle calling 911. I have had, I've dealt with several things. A couple of Mm -hmm. times in my office, twice in my office, I had people where, um, I had one person who had, um, who had some kind of like little minor surgery earlier that day and she started bleeding. And I was the only one who could like kind of, I, we went to the bathroom together. She took off her clothes while I, did pressure, figured it out. People were coming in and everyone on my team, it was just like, I don't know how you did that. I wouldn't have been able to like handle somebody else's blood, but I can totally do it. Um, not, not anything yeah. that I shy away from. And then uh-huh. same thing. Another person was having a gallbladder attack and oh, it was me. Yeah. It was like, okay, Maria, like, okay, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to go with her to the hospital. We're going to figure it out. And so I'm really uh-huh. good. And I, I handle stress very well when it's like, real emergencies right <laughs> maybe yeah. it's like I- i'm i'm very good and i'm very very resilient in that way um on the other spectrum though there might be th- things that seem very tiny that i blow out of maybe proportion um mm-hmm. but to me feel very very real and then the only other thing i have to say about mm-hmm. this is sometimes i feel like and i don't know how to explain this in a way that doesn't seem really mean to myself 
Mm-hmm. I think I can be a little too much. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very intense. I'm passionate. I'm loud. Mm-hmm. I'm outspoken. Sometimes maybe I, I've heard people say things like, well, Maria's not everyone's cup of tea. And I don't know. I'm not particularly hurt by that because you can't win everybody over, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm fine with that being <laughs> my characteristic. <laughs> but it, it tends uh-huh. to seem like people either really, really like me or they just can't stand me. And I don't know if it's like I'm just very intense and passionate. Like, uh-huh. um, and maybe and, and loud. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe um, those I, things cause issues. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It, um, one of my ex-girlfriends had, I'm pretty sure had BPD. She was not diagnosed, but looking back now, like I'm like 95% sure she had it. And like, I could definitely see those things. There were things I loved about that relationship that were too much for some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it like, and like, I, I can relate to that too, because like, I don't feel like I'm too, well, sometimes in a manic episode, I'm too much, but most of the right. time I'm just way too candid. Like I'm just way yes, too open to talking about things Mm -hmm. that's another thing i think that i'm very like i'm very um brash (laughs) to the point like or um blunt blunt is the word that i was thinking very i can be very i can be very blunt it is very hard for me to fake something so if i don't Mm -hmm. like you it's going to be very hard for you to see me being nice to you. <laughs> like, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, it's I'm, hard yeah. for me to fake it. If you. I'm, la- I'm laughing yeah. because that's exactly how my ex girlfriend yes. Susan okay, was. So there you yeah. Go. And so it's, I mean, like, she was nothing but kind to me. Like, we, we actually had a great relationship for a while, but like, some mm-hmm. of my friends, like, if there was any level of bullshit they were putting out, she would right. stomp that down hard. She had that, no tolerance for bullshit. That is so, exactly how everyone yeah. describes me at work, too. They're like, you know what? People leave you off of emails maria because you call them out you call them out on the bullshit like i am i will not hesitate if you are on a phone call with me and you're saying something and it's wrong and i know it's wrong and be like wait a minute blah 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 and i either get in trouble for it or some or the people are are thankful and they're like well thank you but there have been times where people they don't like to be told that they're not saying things in the right way or whatever. And I do it with tact when I'm at work because I understand yeah. that. I'm not, uh-huh. you know, as blunt as maybe um personally. But, you know, um, I've sit you know, like I don't know how people can't call people out when they are saying things that are completely opposite of like what we just talked about. Like I right. don't know how people stay silent in those things. It's not it's not a big deal for me to be like, hey, sorry, like, I know you just said this, but what I understood was X, but now you're saying Y, what's going on? And so, (laughs) I, you know, like, to me, that's very easy and simple to do. And actually, like, not doing it is almost like I'm lying to myself. So I have to do it. It's like I'm compelled to do it. Um, going back to what you said about emergency situations, yeah. um, I, I want to quickly recap something from the last episode that we talked about because I think it's very relevant here. Is um, like there there are some physical things that can cause BPD and we don't know exactly what those are, but we know it actually has to do with different parts of the brain. So like emotions in the brain, there's a part of the brain that manufactures emotions and there's another Mm -hmm. part of the brain that regulates emotions. And so the problem with BPD is that second part of the brain that regulates emotions is not working as it would on a neurotypical person. And so there, there are no small events for someone with BPD because, you know, if, if you have a negative experience, that part 
part of your brain that tells you how bad is this really may not be working as intended. So it may feel like intense pain, like you've lost a loved one. And then at the same time, like because they're used to dealing with those negative feelings commonly, like all the time, like people with BPT are amazing at dealing with actual emergencies. Yeah. And so that's definitely in line. Yeah. So that's actually a, a, a good kind of a, a good explanation. That I even, yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I'm so because so, I'm like, I don't know why I'm so good. And so good with those and I'm reliable like I can't mm-hmm. really tell and I'm always like well I feel like I'm always having an emergency like and I've had I've been through a lot of things that could be classified in my mind as traumatic a lot of yeah. things for someone who's mm-hmm. 40 I would say like when people hear some of the things that like have happened to me mm-hmm. they're like I just can't and I don't know like I didn't it just happened to me like I can't control it um you know um so it's it's interesting to hear hear kind of more like that rather than like well i've just had all these things happen to me before but Mm -hmm. yeah when every little thing is has that kind of um intensity about it when a real emergency comes along and my feelings aren't hurt i'm fine (laughs) yeah yeah and so um one of the common symptoms is like fear of abandonment do you deal with that at all so i and I, I think I talked about it a little bit in the other episode, but mm-hmm. I am constantly obsessed with like uh, one day I'm going to be alone and like dying alone. And mm-hmm. like, what if I'm ever alone? And I don't know if that's like an offset or like an offshoot of being abandoned. I'm not sure it's being abandoned. That is yeah. like the thing that I'm worried about, because I think maybe that implies that I am scared of people leaving me when I am more scared that really everyone will leave me because yes, my parents are going to die. Yes, my dog mm-hmm. is going to die. And yes, my friends can die. So it's a very real circumstance that at any point inadvertently, um, you know, by their own volition or not, they're I'm going to be alone. And so uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's more about that and being able to deal with um, being okay with being alone for me, I think has been a very, the way mm-hmm. that I have, um, really dealt with some of my feelings. It's definitely my main, if I had to characterize my entire life, it was like, I am scared that I'm going to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so second question, what does BPD feel like? Because I think that's a real murky idea in a lot of people's heads because of just the, the weird um, portrayals out there. So, uh, I mean, what does BPD feel like to you? Well, like on a, on a normal day, I just, to me, I just feel normal. I don't really know if mm-hmm. there's anything that's going to be different. But when I have like an episode, it might be very similar to like one of your manic episodes, maybe. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like my heart is just racing and my blood pressure oh, is like yeah. heightened and like I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm obsessed about things, little yeah. things. And I am preoccupied with dying and hurting myself really is what my um, major thing is. And um, I can't but really like, you know, I'm having so on a normal day, I don't have any sleep problems. I have no sleeping. Mm-hmm. I can sleep right now if we want, if I wanted to just lay down right now, um, which I wasn't always like that way. And maybe part of it is because I am um, partly deaf. And so I just lay on oh. my hearing side. And so I sleep really deeply now compared to when I could hear. <laughs> but 
um, regardless of that, when I am having an episode which can last for a while, not just like maybe hours, not even a day, but it could be a couple weeks um, or up to like a month, depending on how bad it is. Um, it's very much I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating, and I am mm-hmm. just feel like my heart is constantly ra- racing or my blood pressure is constantly like I'm at this heightened sense of like arous- arousal right. constantly, um, which probably is very it might similar be like to a adrenaline. Episode. Yeah, yeah, um, it's probably adrenaline. Actually, yeah, yeah you think about so, it. That's what it is. Um, like this whole yeah. entire time, I'm trying to explain. It. Yeah, yeah. It's I an mean, adrenaline your brain is rush. telling you it's yeah. an emergency. Um, yes. And so, like, if somebody's in an emergency situation, that is what an episode looks like. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it's um, very physical, like intense, constant, like constant pressure like a boiling yeah. point like and boiling over the edge i'm about to and anytime i can blow kind of thing um yeah read i've read some other um descriptions of what bpd feels like and one of the ones that really hit me the hardest was mm-hmm. chronic emptiness mm-hmm. um where it, and then like there's also there's a large overlap between people with bpd and people who you know take a lot of drugs or engage you mm-hmm. know yeah, you know, imbibe a lot of alcohol and stuff like that, and I think part of that is just because of the chronic emptiness, where they're like, "I just want to feel something." Mm-hmm. Um, so, is chronic emptiness something you've dealt with? Yeah, I think that um, that kind of side of it is um, more in me, more like no one understands and no one will ever know what I'm going through, and I'm alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that's that empty feeling because I know a lot of the things when. Like, I am just obsessed. Like I said, like, I obsess over when am I going to be able to end this? Like, I constantly go to when I'm in a state is I start planning how I'm going to kill myself. Really, that's how it Uh goes for me. Um, Because the only way I'm going to escape this feeling is if I can just end it. Like, that's how I feel in that moment. There's nothing else that can ever stop it. And, um, And I start saying, you know... Well, my parents, when they die and when my dog dies, because those are the people who really rely on me, then I will mm-hmm. commit suicide. Like, I always make that. Ki- and I don't know, Brandon, what I'm ever going to mm-hmm. do when I have an episode and my dog and my parents are dead. Like, oh, gosh, I yeah. don't know what that's going to look like. Um, uh-huh. But it's definitely a dark place I go to every, yeah. every single time I go to the dark place of this is how I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. I cannot take mm-hmm. another episode like this. So therefore, when all of these things line up in a way that I don't feel like I'm hurting someone, which doesn't make sense because suicide's going to hurt someone, <laughs> like you know. Um, yeah. But I always go to my parents and my dog. Um, my dog relies on me for food, <laughs> and my parents. I can't think of anything worse in their life right now than losing a child for them. So, um, so to me, those are the things that I want to avoid, and so I go. I go to that and I, I go to uh, uh, hurting myself too, which is mm-hmm. um, kind of maybe in this category of what does BPD feel like? <laughs> um, and part of me um, and the last couple episodes I've had, I don't think I hurt myself, but I definitely found myself in the bathroom with a knife for one of them. Yeah. Um, and just thinking about just do it, just do it. Just feel like I just need to hurt myself on the outside so that people can understand how badly I am hurt inside. That's what I think it is about for me. Yeah. 
Um, for listeners, um, I have also struggled with self-harm. And so I like those who know me may have noticed I have some prominent scars on my arms from self-harm. So that I mean, that that is something I can relate to. And mm-hmm. it, it's hard to explain, but I it know is. what you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so if we go back to your first question, which is like, what are some issues? Some things that do come up is people will notice the scars on my arms and they mm-hmm. do ask about it. And I actually don't I fine with it. And when people ask me about it. I try to be as kind as possible to explain to them. And I want to be, I feel like when people ask me, I become the poster child for mental illness. And I'm sure you feel like that too sometimes, (laughs) you know? So I feel like I have this duty or responsibility to educate people and talk to them about that. And so, um, so I definitely am very open about it. I'm not going to hide it either. That's another thing. I don't, I've heard people say, well, I would just hide that. I wouldn't go to work with sleeveless things on or whatever. I don't, I, there's, I can't sit here my whole life and not, you know, wear Mm -hmm. a certain outfit because I'm worried how people are going to perceive me because I have scars on my arms. Like, come on. Like there's a lot more to worry about in life than that. And there's a lot more unfortunate things that have happened to people that isn't even self-harm that you can immediately see when you see them. So I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. how people feel who have a permanent like scar on their face um, that they can't hide. So I'm not ashamed of it. You know, like I'm not ashamed of it. It's something that's happened to me. I struggle with it. And I think being honest about it and upfront and, and not you know, making people feel mean because they ask about it. Um, I don't want to do that. So I definitely, Mm -hmm. that is something that does come up every so often that I have to kind of explain. (laughs) Does it come up for you? Do people ask you about your... Um, I wonder if like people I, feel like, like they can comment on me because I'm like a woman, and so because sometimes I feel like that happens. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I like I, I think the last time somebody asked me about it was like 15 years ago. Um, so it's like it doesn't. Now that said, I'm I'm sure there are people who notice, right? Uh, but people don't ask about it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, which I don't blame. I mean, I probably who knows if I, I mean, maybe, yeah, I probably would because that's me. But um, but who knows? Maybe not in a work situation. But like if we went out for like a happy hour, maybe I would say something or whatever. I have no idea who the hell yeah. knows. I've never it's been what, in like, that situation, so I don't know. <laughs> it like if it was my coworkers, I like I have a standard cover story I would go to. But um, like if it was a friend who asked me about it, yeah, I think I'd probably be pretty open about it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right. So third question is what does a typical social engagement like a happy hour look like? And do you have any like special concerns or precautions when you're going into a social engagement? So any of those like things that I do when I'm going into the social engagement now is more about my hearing, um, like being able to hear people position myself in a way where I can be part of the conversation. Because I think my typical, um, when I go out to a happy hour is I have a lot of fun. <laughs> I tend to be yeah. the center of attention. I'm very outgoing. Yeah. I'm very social. I love social situations. I like weird, awkward social situations. I like being surrounded by people I never know. I can be a master of the audience. That's what I call myself. Um, because I feel like I tell a lot of stories and um, I tend to capture people's attention because I can talk about almost anything and I can uh-huh. tend to find a story that's going to relate to anyone, like almost anyone. And so um, when I go out, I think learning about other people and what mm-hmm. kind of tri- triggers them into like 
asking questions, I think, is just a natural thing that I have developed over the years, maybe because I'm a writer, so I can get a sense of, like, really how to work an audience. So, mm-hmm. to me, I'm... I, I very much become the center of attention and I like it and I'm fine with it. And um, it's fun for me. It's like a game. Um, but that being said, <laughs> I can be, like I said earlier, a little too loud, too passionate. Sometimes I get very mm-hmm. like, I can get on a soapbox. Sometimes um, I can dominate conversations. I need to be careful of mm-hmm. making sure to check in with people um, to make sure that it's not just, um, it's not just me. Um, I, I, I some, for some reason I'm surrounded by introverts, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, but there are some people that I get around that sometimes we butt heads. And so my story about this is that one time, um, well, not one time there. So when I lived in Orlando, there was this one restaurant in Orlando that we went to as a group of friends. And when I lived in Orlando, I had such a tight group of friends and they were all mm-hmm. Married. I was the only single person. And so, um, so my friend's husband and I, um, (laughs) we're very extroverted. I would say we both are very extroverted. We get along. I love, I love him. Like there's not, it's not that I don't get along with him, but there's this one restaurant in Orlando that we all knew that we couldn't go to together because (laughs) every single time we went, and I guess we only Uh went twice is we would get in a fight. Um, in the middle of the restaurant because the restaurant was so loud and we were both very, very passionate that we would end up irritating each other and none, <laughs> ni- neither of us would stand uh-huh. down. Like neither of us would just let it go. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. We don't let it go. And so it just escalates and escalates. So it's this restaurant that is known that we can't uh-huh. go to together <laughs> because we ended up getting in a fight a couple of times. So like yeah. thing, small things like that, maybe. <laughs> Um, and, um, but, but for the most part, like I love social engagements. I, I would say I probably, yeah, like I said, I'm a little too much sometimes. Um, when I drink alcohol, it amps up considerably. So that is, um, uh, that is something that sometimes I'm like, uh, I have to watch, but for the most part, I just kind of let go. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> you be you. Yeah. You find people you're uh, who don't get deterred by you. Right. So, who yeah, appreciate it's, yeah. that about me. And maybe so, that is why. So maybe that just kind of dawned on me. Maybe that's why a lot of my friends are introverts. It's so weird that. Uh-huh. So when I took, you know, I think I used to be introverted and now I'm, I gravitate more to be extroverted. But I can mm-hmm. see where if I go out to a social engagement, if there's another person like me. And we're both like kind of vying for like being like the storyteller and stuff. I can see where maybe that can be like a little issue. So maybe all my friends for the most part are introverts because like they allow me to do that and they're comfortable with that and they enjoy being entertained versus having entertain. I don't know. I'm hmm. like a, I'm an entertainer at, at heart, I think. There you go. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. All right. So happy hours. Thumbs up. Yeah. Sounds good. I love all right. happy hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So fourth question is, how does BPD affect your closer relationships? I think, and I don't, I don't 100%, I can't speak for them, but I, I mm-hmm. think some of them, like my parents probably don't feel very much love for me. And I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, not that they don't, sorry, love from me, not for me. I okay. think my parents definitely love me. Um, yeah. I don't, it's hard for me 
to express my love to my parents. I don't know if Uh that's a BPD thing or it's just me thing, but like, I know this sounds like horrible, but like, I have to force myself to say those words to them. And it hurts Mm -hmm. me to say that. And I don't know what it is. It's only with my parents, though. It's not with my friends and it's not with my Mm -hmm. boyfriend. So I don't know what the issue is there. Um, But I do know um, that I I can't do that. But I think the main thing of the way it affects my relationships is I get those mood swings, you know, with friends and significant Uh others, I think can be a real problem sometimes. And the more I know you and the more that we're friends, the more I'm going to have mood swings with you because I can, for the most part, know, okay, well, you feel like you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I can do it down. Yeah. 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 I mean, I try to do a good job of kind of like realizing in the moment that some, that like I'm going from one extreme to another, that there are small things. I I do try to do a, a, a good job, about that. But I really think that one of the things that I need to do is talk it out. Yeah. If I can't do that, um, I'm going to just get angrier and angrier and it's going to become an issue and I'm going to make it into a big deal. And then mm-hmm. no one's going to know why it's a big deal. And, you know, and I'm going to get frustrated. So, um, so I do think probably it makes my relationships where, um, I don't know. It can be kind of rocky at certain times, mm-hmm. just depending on on that. Um, but like I said, I mean, I've been so Chris and I have been together for I don't know, like seven years. Or oh, something. Wow. I actually cool. don't even yeah. know. I would not be able to. Everyone's <laughs> like, "How long?" And I'm like, "I don't know." It's like 2013 or 2014. I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. Could be any of those times. I I don't know. And prior to meeting Chris, I. All of my relationships were very much, um, there was a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting Uh in the relationships. Um, I don't have that with Chris. So that I think is very, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I can count Mm -hmm. on my one hand the amount of times that we had like real significant fights. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good thing after all the time we've been together. Um, So... But, but, but yeah, I think that's an issue. And I think that when I have friends not, um, who don't want to talk and who handle things in a way that's different from me, because, mm-hmm. um, I've had friends and coworkers who would be upset about things and not talk about it. And their way of dealing it with it is leave it alone and come back later. And mine <laughs> is the opposite. Yeah. And I can't, it makes it worse for me. And it's, and I've tried to get people to t- say, like, yeah, okay, like, your way of dealing with it is to completely, like, leave the situation and not deal with it. And my way of dealing it with it is to talk it out for, like, 48 hours straight and yeah. don't exhaust any other thing. There's got to be a middle ground, you know? <laughs> like, there's got to yeah. be a way where we both can get what we want uh-huh. <laughs> um, a little bit. And so sometimes when that happens... Um, and people refuse to acknowledge that there's a problem and they don't want to talk about it, that can become an issue for me, mm-hmm. um, I think. And that can really affect, I can start getting resentful and I can start, but well, I don't want to be friends with this person anymore. Then like, if they can't talk out a simple problem like that, like what? Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to be able to survive because I have to talk about everything. <laughs> so, yeah. There we go. Awesome. Um, so fifth question is what has treatment looked like for you? And we kind of got into this earlier with the therapy. 
Yeah, it's just talking. It's just talking things out. Like I said, the mm-hmm. worst thing you can ever do for me is to do to me is to say, "I know you're upset, but we can't talk about it for two days." Like I die. Like I'm just gonna die. Yeah. Go in here in the corner and just not eat for two days. Thanks. I'm not gonna eat or sleep for two days. <laughs> like you know, uh-huh. I have I have to talk about it. Um, I I I do a lot of analysis I think on my own of myself and why I'm feeling certain ways and I like to just have a sounding board so what therapy really looks like for me is just really talking things out mm-hmm. um, and uh, and really uh, uh, like I think I learn a lot through talking it out like I don't even really I don't even when I have therapy it's not even like here's my action items that I'm going to do for therapy I just talk it out and I naturally like yeah. kind of start thinking in a different way and um, I think that's what really helps me. Okay, that's cool. I know um, for those who don't know, Maria is also an avid and actually accomplished runner. So has oh, yes. um, regular <laughs> exercise like that also contributed to your mental oh, health? Yes, running is definitely something that has really helped my mood and my mental abilities and all that fun stuff, all the weird stuff that they tell you that like exercise does and you don't want to like believe them because you don't want to get off your ass. Um, mm-hmm. It does for me. And, and, and really it's something where I think I can process like my thinking, like I love to just go on a run. Like if I've had like a difficult meeting, so then I just like hash it all out while I'm running. And to me, it's a very similar to like maybe talking it out because at least I'm like taking that time where I am. It's just me. It's just me and running and music Mm -hmm. for the most part. So I can just like kind of go through the things. And so that definitely really, really helps me. Um, And I think, um, you know, boost my serotonin to where I don't have those deep yeah. lows where I just feel like, you know, because um, because I talk about this like in a way now where I have episodes, but uh-huh. I would say prior to 30 years old and maybe up until 30, 31, I was very much always like in that episode, I would say. Like yeah. I'm constantly depressed and always there and never sleeping and not um don't like picking at my food every so often when like eat like that's like you can always tell that there's something wrong with me if i'm not eating like that's where my Mm -hmm. my stomach is the first thing to go and um and so um so what things that i'm talking about now are things that just happen like maybe um i don't know not very often at all maybe once a year and maybe Mm -hmm. like you know for a week at most but like prior to like when i was 30 years old i just operated in this way all the time um Mm -hmm. so i think maybe that's um that's important to know and then yeah i started running when i was like 34 i actually Mm. don't know either how long (laughs) i don't know 35 Uh maybe I've been doing it for like five years and I didn't do exercise whatsoever before that. Uh Nothing. I never did anything. I didn't, it wasn't anything in in high school. I was one of those kids who made fun of the people who did sports and ran. I was too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So not, yeah, we were definitely the nineties, like emo crowd, not like the Mm nineties athletes. So (laughs) just think about that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Were there any like important things or concepts that you learned in therapy that really helped you? Yes. Yes. The most important thing that helps me that I always go back to and I always think about, and it's not even anything that anyone can ever tell you. It just has to click one day. And it's that Mm -hmm. 
um, is that I am only in control of myself and my feelings. It's such a stupid, nah. dumb little concept. But like, I cannot control how people are going to perceive me. I can't control how they feel. I can't control how they treat me. I can't control my past and what I've been through. But I can control how I react to these things and mm-hmm. how I react um, to how people treat me and how I react to my experiences that are put forth and so forth. So those are the only things that are within my control. It doesn't mean that it's right that someone's bullying me or treating me like shit. It doesn't mean that. Like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be held accountable for being a mean mm-hmm. asshole. But when I'm, but like, for me, it always comes back to like, they just said that so much. The last time I was in the hospital, like actually hospitalized, mm-hmm. which I believe was 2007 or around that time. It was like therapy and they just kept repeating that. And I just like was so over it. And I was like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously I can can only control myself. Like I get that. That doesn't help me uh-huh. at all. Like that never helped me. And one day, I don't know. Like I just kind of, I don't know what happened. I can't even tell you what happened, but it clicked. And it makes so much sense to me now. Like, you're right. Like, you know, I can come Mm -hmm. here and people can go shoot my whole family and bomb whatever. And all these people can die. And I'm not saying it's not right. I mean, it's right to feel your feelings. But at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, like, I choose to acknowledge that these things happen and I choose to react in a certain way. So that is the one thing that really helps me. And I don't know how to explain that in a non-cheesy way because it's very cheesy i think for me i mean it's something you have to learn though like i I totally get that so yeah it's something you have to learn not only like what it means but what it means to you and i think that that is going to mean something different for every person you know so right right and i have used i have had that used actually recently to me against me about Mm. something that had happened where I felt like I was being untre- I was being treated in a certain way. And when I brought it up, someone's like, well, I can't control how you feel. And to me, that's not what that means when I think <laughs> so I'm only in control my feelings. Yeah. yeah, like that doesn't mean that, that, oh, okay, well, then you can say whatever you want. And and then the way people react is the only, that's not what that means at all. It doesn't mean right. you can go around and be, pe- be an asshole to people because mm-hmm. you can't control how they feel. I'm just being nice, even though I'm being an asshole. That doesn't make any sense. Like, right. Um, um, so yeah, like I, when that was used against me recently, I was like, Oh God, it come, came back, you know, years <laughs> later, it's come back to bite me. And I sit oh, there no. and preach that. Now someone is using that to tell me I shouldn't be upset about, um, something. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the questions I had. It's, um, I, I do have a list of some films about BPD since, you know, we're a movie mm-hmm. mental health podcast. Oh, yeah, I thought it might are, be fun to talk we? about some of those. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I mean, of course, you know, the like the the one I think comes to a lot of people's mind is the absolute worst portrayal, which is fatal attraction, which right. did so much harm for this disorder. Um, and I've never seen it, but I just constantly hear about the negative opinions people have mm-hmm. um because of this. And so have you seen it? Yes, I've seen Fatal Attraction. That's where she boils the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler. So. I mean, come on. The movie's from like, what, 1989? Come yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to find like good portrayals, but I think there are some. And of course, um, the the one that keeps springing to my mind is Silver Linings Playbook. Right. Um, where they don't come out and say it, but Tiffany, I'm pretty sure, has borderline personality disorder. Um, 
and is a very relatable and noble character. Right. Um, I really like that character. So, yeah, go back yeah. and listen to our episode on the Silver our Linings Playbook. Our very first episode right. was on Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Right. And I'm looking at the ones that you listed here. Um, and I, I didn't realize that 13 is about. Is that. I, is that I have movie? not seen that. I think I, I've I seen just, it. And I really. Uh-huh. I always. Like it made me cry. Like it was so felt like it was very real. I want to say well, maybe it's yeah, the same. Yeah, it's about it was, abuse right. and uh, like for, <laughs> yeah. and the person reacts basically with borderline personality yeah. disorder. Okay. Yeah. So I could see that being yeah. you know, somewhat relatable. So yeah, I have never heard of the other the uncut gems or welcome to me. Uncut Gems is an interesting one because it's an Adam Sandler movie, but it's not like any other Adam Sandler movie. It's mm. um, it's a really serious drama that apparently was really well done. I have not seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so it's like that other serious Adam Sandler film that everyone's went, like. Oh, gosh. What is it called? What is I it saw called? it. I can't I've remember. I've seen it, too. Um, oh, my God. What is it called? <laughs> it's on the cover and it's like, wait. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I can like, cut this out if you want to find out, and then I can just like fast forward to like this is when okay, okay, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I'm gonna have IMDb. This will be our okay, As soon as we see it, we're gonna know. Punch I Drunk just came Love. To me. Yes, Punch Drunk Love. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Punch Drunk so, Love. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yes, I've seen that too. Um, but so like it's maybe it's a similar like you know where it's like, um, what's it called? The drama that Adam Sandler does drama. when he normally does yeah. a comedy film. So everyone's like, whoa, Adam Sandler's in a drama. Like, you know, right. that's what they do. Like when Jim Carrey is in an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is also on this list. And that's a more serious Jim Carrey movie. You know, when yeah. back there then when he was only known for like funny movies and then he like Ace dropped Ventura. that one. Yeah. 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 So. So, yeah, Eternal Sunshine is Spotless Mind. You know, again, Clementine, right. fantastic character. I really like Clementine. Yeah. Um, and it took me years before I realized, oh, she has BPD. And so that, you know, again, it's like I, I'm noticing I like a lot of people with BPD. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm here, too. And so, yeah. Have you, you, so. you know, you're counting me, right? I mean, unless you don't yes. appreciate oh, yeah, absolutely. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so there's... <laughs> Of course. Of course I'm counting we you, Maria. We were friends so. in college, so there's some reason why we became friends. Like, right, a, yeah. um, it's not just this podcast. Okay. Just watch it. There we go. Uh, so a new one to me was Welcome to Me. Have you heard of that one? No, that's I have not heard of this one. Um, it looks really good to the point where I, I'm like, I want to add it to our list. It's um, basically yeah. there's a woman. And again, they don't say it, but she has BPD. Um, she right. has, you know, a lot of the symptoms. Uh, she wins the lottery and gets like $87 million or something like that. Wait a minute. Um, and so, yeah, it's Kristen Wiig. It's Kristen Wiig. Yes, I've yeah. seen this. Oh, yes. okay. Is it good? I haven't seen it. Yes, it was interesting. Like, I want to see that again now that you're seeing that because I didn't know about, you know, like, now I w- would like to do it from that. Yeah, like, it's some of those Kristen Wiig serious movies are very sad. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. I did see it. I remember I remember it being sad. <laughs> it, it's described as a dramedy, and so it's it's funny and sad at the same time. And I'm I'm f- rapidly finding that is like my favorite type of movie is funny and sad at the same time. Yeah, um, because I know both of us love BoJack Horseman, and that is the yes. definition of a dramedy. Um, right? Oh my god! Yeah. So that, to the point yeah. where at one point Maria and I were considering doing a separate podcast on I, BoJack Horseman. I have not. So, Stop thinking about I like that's not off the table. I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know. That's not off so the table. So we might. That's not yeah. off the table. 
Okay, so, so there might be a podcast <laughs> about Jack Horseman coming. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then some of these other uh, Girl Interrupted, I haven't seen Prozac Nation, I haven't seen. Yeah, um, and I've seen Prozac Nation. I think I read the book. So I read Girl Interrupted and Prozac Nation. Mm-hmm. I think both the book. You know, yeah. And so, yeah, I found some other, like, because that's the thing is, like, there are celebrities that will admit that they have, like, bipolar or depression or anxiety. Like, I couldn't find any celebrities that admitted they had BPD, um, I think, because of the stigma against it, because there's such a strong stigma. Right. Um, and but, also, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's kind of a hard diagnosis because you, mm-hmm. it's like you usually you could have you could have. um you know bipolar as well and sometimes the bipolar like and blah and then but you could have Mm -hmm. both and so like it's just not yeah like it's it's interesting um that that it might not be as diagnosed as it's harder right to diagnose i think so yeah i mean there's not like a blood test right there's a blood test and And so uh, yeah and a lot of the symptoms present as mm -hmm. other things so yeah uh, like a common misdiagnosis is depression and PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, and I could like, also mm-hmm. have that at the same time because I have, you like could. I said, yeah. I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I've been, you know, a depression. And like I said, when they told me about BPD, they were like, well, it's bipolar or BPD. But, but they still said I had PTSD. So who the hell knows how yeah. that all I mean, plays? You could very well have both. Yeah. Who the, so. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, um, so now that we've talked about how fucked up I am, would <laughs> am you I like next? to take? Yeah, would oh. you like to take it away? No, would you like to take um, it away? You are next, though. But yeah, <laughs> I am next. So we might do one about uh, my bipolar or something like that in the near future. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. But anyway, we are Peculiar Picture Show, a podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. You can find us online at peculiarpicture.show. That is our website. You can stream all episodes there. We've got links to our social media profiles. We have a press kit. We've got all kinds of other things. Um, and additionally, I write my movie reviews at BrandonTalksMovies.com and I have some of my mental health writing at MonsterOnMyBack.pub. So that's what we got and we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>